It was a real joy to see these kids this last week learning about Jesus and singing the enthusiasm that they had. Uh, I, I too, will encourage you to come back tonight and, and just get a glimpse of the kind of enthusiasm that these kids have for Jesus. There was one scene that will be indelibly marked in my mind this last week. And I just want to share it with you because it goes on the heels of what we talked about last week. We talked, you remember, about Jesus washing the disciples' feet and, and his call to us to, to be servant-minded, to be willing to help others, to volunteer and serve. And I was up in the uh, lesson time just observing one day, and uh, Caleb, I think, was the one teaching that day, and he asked for volunteers of the kids who were in that class. He said, I need a volunteer. You know what happened? Every hand went up, and it was like this. It wasn't just like, it was me, me, I, 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 I. <laughs> I mean, these kids were so anxious to, to serve. And when I saw that, I thought, oh, dear God, may that be true of us as adults. I, no wonder Jesus said, you must become like little children to enter the kingdom of heaven. I, I, that must have been a part of what he had in mind when he said that. This desire to serve Him. This desire to be called upon to, I'm willing to give of myself. I, I know Jesus must have been smiling when He saw that happen this last week. May He see that of us. That we would be volunteers for Him. Servants of His. That's all just extra for you today. Uh, we're in John chapter 14. We're going to cover four chapters today. Chapters 14 through 17 of John. Some of the great teachings of Jesus. This is often called the final discourse of Jesus. We could call it the, the farewell discourse of Jesus. In other words, these are His final teachings to His disciples before He is arrested. The setting is the upper room. Judas has been dismissed to go and do what he must do. And interestingly, as Judas leaves the room, John the Apostle, later as he is writing his gospel, records for us just a tidbit of information that the other gospels do not comment on. John simply writes this, chapter 13, verse 30. He, speaking of Judas immediately went out, and it was night. I wonder if there was a little bit more to that verse than just the lateness of the evening. I wonder if one could almost feel the darkness that was about to unfold. Jesus, the Son of God, was 
about to be betrayed. He, he had, Judas had already worked the deal. Maybe even he already had the, the 30 pieces of, of silver jangling in his pocket. He was betraying the Son of God for the price of a slave. The suffering for all of mankind's sin was about to begin. Maybe, maybe it was one of the darkest nights in the history of mankind. Once Judas is gone from the room, Jesus has a lot of unfinished business left with his disciples. First, he wanted to partake of the Passover meal with them. But understand, this was not just a Passover meal where they're looking backwards. It's a Passover meal in which they are looking forward. And Jesus takes the cup and he he passes it to them and he says to them, Drink from it, all of you. For this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for forgiveness of sin. And he takes the loaf, and he breaks it. And he he passes it to his disciples, and he says to them, Take and eat, this is my body. And every Sunday, you and I are given that same opportunity to partake of that special memorial feast. We remember what Jesus has done for us on the cross. The fact that His blood was shed for our sins. We remember His body which was bruised and battered for us. May we never forget what Jesus has done for us. There was so much that happened in that upper room in those few hours with Jesus. He gave to His disciples a new commandment. John chapter 13, verse 35 says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. The telltale sign of whether we are one of his disciples is our love for each other. Up to this point, Jesus has told us that we should love our neighbor as we love ourselves. And that was good. But this new commandment is even better. He said, love your neighbor as I have loved you. And they were about to see a whole new level of love displayed before their eyes as they would see him suffer and they would see him die. They would see him sacrifice himself on the cross. They they wouldn't understand it at first, but they later would understand it. And they would remember that they were to love as he loved. And that's true for you and I today, too. We are to love as he loved, sacrificially. A giving up of ourself for our fellow man. That's how he has called us to love. And keep in mind too, in that upper room, he turns to Peter and tells him that he will deny him three times. This is on the heels of of him saying to all of the group of disciples that they would turn away from him. And it was Peter who spoke up and said, I will never turn away from you, Lord. I will never deny you. Even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. Boy, did he eat his words. In fact, all of the disciples ate their words. For it wasn't just Peter that turned away. It was all of them who turned away that evening. 
There were 11 of them now in that room, 11 disciples, with Judas being gone. And Jesus says to them, I I, I want you to know I'm going away to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I want you to know that I'm going to come again and I'm going to receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And in this final discourse, he said to them, I want you to know something else. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And that truth has not changed still today. He's not just one way to get to the Father amongst many ways. He is the only way to the Father. Now, the world would like to think that that's no longer true, that that's, that's, that's just an over-exaggeration, that He's one way amongst many ways. It's kind of whatever you want. That's what the world would have us believe. But that is not how it is. Jesus' words have not changed one iota. He is still the only way to the Father. Listen to what he said in John chapter 14, verse 15. He said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. How important is obedience? It's very important. It's important to Jesus. He doesn't want a casual follower who lives according to their way. He wants a committed follower who is willing to try and obey him in all of His commands, now we're not going to be able to do that, but that is our goal. We're trying to obey Him the best that we can. He wants a committed follower who will give his or her all to Him. Now, this is where I want to go with the rest of this sermon. If we give our self to Him, then He promises to give to us a very special gift. And we all like to receive gifts. The gift that Jesus wants to give to us is the Holy Spirit. I want to read to you John chapter 14, verses 16 through 18. John chapter 14, verses 16 through 18. I will ask the Father, and He will give you another Helper, that He may be with you forever. That is the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see Him or know Him, but you know Him because He abides with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. The Holy Spirit is another helper according to Jesus. In other words, He is the same kind of helper to us that Jesus has been to His disciples. Jesus is leaving. The Holy Spirit is going to come in His place. He will be a helper like Jesus. Now, I was trying to think in my preparation here this week, what kind of helper was Jesus to His disciples? Well, He was the best helper. He 
came alongside of them when they had fished all night and and had caught nothing. They were discouraged. They were tired. They were ready to throw in the towel. And Jesus said, hey, take me out into the boat with you and cast your net into the water. And Peter, he was, he was oftentimes the spokesman for the disciples. He said, Lord, we have fished all night and have caught nothing. But I will do as you say. And Luke chapter 5, 6 and 7 says, When they had done this, they enclosed a great quantity of fish, and their nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat for them to come and help them. And they came and filled both of the boats so that they began to sink. What kind of helper was Jesus? He was a great helper. And that's the kind of helper the Holy Spirit is to be for us today. I'm thinking of another time that the disciples were in a boat and a storm arose. A fierce gale of wind, the scripture says. Luke 8.23 says the boat was swamped with water and they were in danger of losing their lives. But Jesus came to their rescue. He stood up and he said, peace be still. Mark's gospel says it this way. He got up and he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, shh, be still. And the wind died down and it became perfectly calm. Jesus was quite a helper like no other. And that's the kind of helper that the Holy Spirit is for you and me. He will live in us. He will be with us and He will help us with whatever challenges we face. He, listen, He will be Jesus to us. I remember in college, that was the definition that we were given for the Holy Spirit. He is the extended earthly presence of Jesus. Jesus had to go. So that the Holy Spirit could come. Jesus was limited by his earthly body. That's why he said to his disciples, it will be better if I go away. Jesus could only be in one place at one time. Not so with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes and He is omnipresent. He has no body limitations. He can help me out on Maple Road where I live. And He can help the Warings in Garland. He can help the Paddocks in Fulton. He can help Don over here on Judson Street. He can help Daniel in New York City. He can help Anna in China, He can help E.K. in India all at the same time. He is the perfect helper for us to have. He comes alongside of us and He gives to us exactly the help that we need. I was reminded of a story that I read a while back in Ozark Christian College's quarterly paper. It's the compass. It comes out uh, and I was seeing... The president's article, Matt Proctor, he had written this article. I think I got a picture. Uh, He was writing about how uh, we need to make the most of every opportunity. And he was telling about this story. This girl, 
who's being carried. She played for a softball team for Western Oregon University. They were playing Central Washington University. It was a very important game. It was a a playoff game. And this girl who's batting in the red, it's the second inning, and she hits a three-run homer. It's her first homer of her entire career. And as she rounds first base, she's so excited. I don't know if she missed the base didn't hit it right or what happened, but she went down and she tore a ligament in her knee. And she is laying there in the dirt just in writhing in pain. And she, she's not going to be able to get around the rest of the bases. And, and, and it looks like she's going to have to forfeit her home run. And she's looking to the, to the coach and the coach says, I can't help you. If I touch you or if any of your teammates touch you, you're out. The first baseman who's on the right, you're right. And the girl on the left is the shortstop for the opposing team. They grab hold of her and they pick her up and they carry her around the bases. And at each base they let her down that she can put her left foot on the base and touch it. And they go to third and they come home and she scores. And the Western team actually won the game. And I read that story and I thought, wow. (laughs) Not only is that a picture of sportsmanship, but it is a picture of what the Holy Spirit does for us. He comes alongside of us and He picks us up and He carries us if we'll let Him. He'll help us. He'll provide strength to the weary. He'll provide comfort to the one who is grieving. He will provide hope to the hopeless. He will provide peace to the worrier. In fact, that's why he said in verse 27 of John 14, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. Do we ever need to hear that kind of a message? It is so easy for us to worry about any and everything. We worry about our kids, our grandkids. We worry about the weather, we worry about our finances, we worry about our health, we worry about our future. Jesus knew that we tended to be a worrisome people, so He has given to us exactly what we need to help us in this battle against worry. He has given to us the Holy Spirit. He has given to us His presence. The Spirit comes and He abides in us. He is God with us. And He will help us fight the battle if we will let Him. Do you remember when Moses and the people of God were standing at the water's edge of the Red Sea and the army of Pharaoh was coming after them. What did the people do? They began to worry. They began to panic. They began to grumble. They were seeing the impossibility of their circumstances. And then Moses has a word for them. He says, do not fear. Stand by and see the salvation of the Lord. The Lord will fight for you while you keep silent. Verse 
The Holy Spirit is God in us, and He will fight for us if we let Him. He will help us. He will rescue us. He will empower us. He will deliver us. And do you note that I am saying the Holy Spirit is a He, not an It. I was sitting around the table with several people this last week and the Holy Spirit was a part of our conversation and someone kept referring to Him as It. And I said, hey, let's hold on here. He's not an it. He's a he. He's a real person. Now, we cannot touch him. We cannot see him visibly. But we can feel his presence. And we can sense his leading. When my dad uh, passed away, I could feel the Spirit's presence and comforting hand. Now that doesn't mean that there has been no hurt, that there have not been tears. There's been plenty of all of that. But the Spirit is there to help and to give comfort. And my family grieves not as those who have no hope. We do have hope. We have assurance of heaven and the Spirit reminds us of verses that give us hope. When we are in such a situation, the Spirit can bring to mind verses that give to us hope. Verses like John 16.33, which is a part of this final farewell speech of Jesus, this teaching that He had for His disciples. He said, these things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but take courage. I have overcome the world. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) That's a wow verse to me right now. Because we do live in a world that has tribulation, but we have reason to take courage. Jesus has overcome the world. Amen? And the Holy Spirit reminds us of that fact. That's one of His jobs within us, is to remind us of Jesus' teaching. John 14.26 says this, but the, this is Jesus speaking to His disciples. He says, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in My name, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all All that I have said to you. Now I realize that is a promise that Jesus gave directly to his disciples. But I think it's it's something that is applicable for us today. The Spirit will do that for us. If we are good students of his word. if, If we have ears to hear. Then the Spirit can bring scripture to mind to us. When we need it. For instance, when we are witnessing. Have you ever had that happen? When you're talking to somebody about Jesus, about the truth of God, and the Spirit brings to mind a Scripture to you that will help you in that conversation? That happened to me this last week. I'm, I'm sitting around this table with, with a, a young couple who's interested in learning about Jesus. And as the conversation was going, a Scripture came to mind. One that it was back in the depths of my mind and heart. I hadn't even thought about it for a while. But 
the Holy Spirit brought it to my mind and, and I wasn't quite sure where it was in my Bible. And in fact, you know, oftentimes with, if you're familiar with your own Bible, you know where it's at even on the page. But this particular evening, I was using a Bible that I'm not accustomed to using, and, and so I couldn't look for the spot on the page. I, I'm, I'm having to rely on memory. Where is that Scripture at? I think it's in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. It was my thought, and, and I went to this chapter, and right there, verse 4, was the verse I was looking for. The Holy Spirit brought that to me. And it was exactly what was needed at that time and moment. That's what He'll do for you. And you're going through trials, you're going through circumstances that are hard in your life. If you have been a student of God's Word through the years or through the months past, He can bring to mind Scripture that will lift you up in those moments of crisis. Such as chapter 16, verse 33 of John's Gospel. Take courage! I have overcome the world. You will have tribulation here, but I have overcome the world. We need to hear that kind of passage. And oftentimes, He will lead us to verses that lift us up, and it will be at just the time we needed to hear those verses. It was Wednesday evening. My dad had died that morning. And I went to bed with my Bible in hand. I said, Lord, would you speak to me tonight? Would you, would you give me a word of comfort and hope? I'd read the night before from Psalms 1 through 3. So really I was due to read chapter 4 as I was going to work my way through the book of Psalms. And the very, let me read to you chapter 4 verse 1. Answer me when I call, O God of my righteousness. You have relieved me in my distress. Be gracious to me and hear my cry. Is that what I needed to hear? <laughs> I mean, that's how the Holy Spirit works. If, as we are students of His Word, He will lead us to the truth of God that will be exactly what we need at the moment in which we are in. Verse 8 of that chapter in peace I will both lie down and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. Chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. Give ear to me. Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my groaning. Heed the sound of my cry for help. My God, my King, for to you I pray. Are those words that I needed to hear at that moment? You bet. And it was God through the Holy Spirit saying, I have something for you, Kevin. 
I just, just want you to know every cry, every word, every groan, I hear it. I'm with you. I will get you through. I will comfort you. Are you letting the Holy Spirit lead you and comfort you? Are you letting Him speak to you through this Word? In order for Him to be able to speak to you through this Word, you have to open the book and be in it on a regular basis. And if you'll do that, if you'll do your part, He will do His part. He will be faithful to you. Let me give you another point in which Jesus said here in this final discourse to His disciples about His his Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom He would be sending to them. Chapter 16, verses 7 and 8, But I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send Him to you, and He, when He comes, will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. So not only does He comfort and lead and help, He also convicts. And I I would imagine most of us here have felt His conviction oftentimes. Maybe at that moment when we have smarted off to our mate and we haven't been very kind to him or her and our voice was of a harsh tone and just that fast the Holy Spirit comes and says, Hey, you weren't very kind. You shouldn't have said that. You should be more loving. Have you heard him say that to you? You should apologize. That's the Spirit talking. That's Jesus inside of you, speaking to you through His Helper. Or maybe you're gossiping. Maybe you're telling a dirty joke. Maybe a word has just flown from your mouth that's that's not honorable to Him. And just that fast, the Holy Spirit lets you know about it. Hey, you shouldn't have said that. That's not how a Christian talks. And the more we listen to Him, the louder His voice becomes. And the less we listen to Him, the more faint His voice becomes. I want to challenge you, as children of God, have an ear for the Holy Spirit. Listen to what He says to you. He wants to help you be like Jesus. He wants to grow you into the likeness of God's Son. He brings gifts with Him when He comes to make His home in our heart. He brings gifts with Him that help us serve others and and serve the Lord. And He brings the, the character of Christ. We call it the fruit of the Spirit. He brings all of that with Him. He doesn't come empty-handed when He 
joins up with us. He comes full of good gifts for us. Do you have the Holy Spirit? If, If you are one of God's children, you certainly have the Holy Spirit. If you are one who has never said yes to Jesus, then you do not have the Holy Spirit. Romans chapter 8 says, if you don't have the Spirit, then you do not belong to God. So we need, we need the Holy Spirit to help us to do His job in us. So for the person who's never said yes to Christ, today's a good day to do that. In the second service, I'm just excited as we, we have four people coming to Christ. They're going to be baptized today. One of, those, one of those is a kid who went to CIY. And he's come back saying, I'm a changed person. You know. Praise God for that. And each one of these folks who are being baptized today have a, have a special story. Let's die to ourself. Because if we're full of self, it's hard for the Holy Spirit to fill us up. But if we're dying to ourself, then the Holy Spirit can fill us up to overflowing. And what a good thing He can do in our life. Let's pray together. God, thank You for this most wonderful gift that You have given to us. The gift of Your Spirit. He comes and He lives inside of us and He never forsakes us. He never leaves us. And He's so wanting to help us and minister to us and to point us to you. So may we have ears to hear. May we have a heart that's open. And we pray this in Jesus' name.